Hello and welcome to a very festive Codec Call and we're here today to talk to you about some games. We're actually going to be looking at our most surprising and our most disappointing games of 2014. With me today are Matt Holt. Hello. Uh, and Seven Scott. <laughs> Hello. Sev's been on sabbatical and he's back and we've missed him. Yay! With a vengeance. So um, we've managed to drag him away from work between Christmas and New Year to come and talk to us, which is nice because he's been ignoring us. I'm sorry. <laughs> you are. Right. Okie dokie. What do we want to do first? Do we want to start with the negatives and, and build up to the positives after? Or are we going to have more fun trashing games? What, what do we think? No, let, let's start with the bad. Bad news first. It's always the best way. Okay, let's start with the bad. Now, just out of interest, a little fun fact. Does anybody know how many games we reviewed at codecmoments.com in 2014? Oh, so about oh, 110? Dev? Not a clue. I'm going to go with 111. <laughs> 111. Well, Sev edges it there. Uh, it was 123. Yes. Wow. The rather satisfying 123 this year, so that worked out rather well. Just a couple more years until that 666. <laughs> so uh, thank you to all the developers and publishers and PR types who've sent us free games. Awesome, this year. Without you, we'd have to pay for them. Right, disappointing games. Who wants to start? <laughs> well, I mean, if I'm going to start talking about it, I could just it, it would just be something of an open letter to Ubisoft, really, because... <laughs> The most disappointing games for me this year have been the big-budget Ubisoft titles. One, I actually gave quite a high review at the time, but in retrospect uh, felt fairly poorly towards, or negatively towards, which was Watch Dogs. Hey, that's, that's my most disappointing of the year. Yeah, it's just sort of looking, looking back over it, and uh, it was a fairly dreadful story. I'm going to be honest and say Watch Dogs made my shortlist too. I mean, I enjoyed playing it. It was a good game. It wasn't what I expected. Mm. I mean, Matt, you said this was this was definitely the game of the year for you that disappointed you the most. What you talk us through that? It disappointed because I'd been looking forward to it um, on release in 2013. So the uh, the PS4 launch, I had it on pre-order. It looked like something different, something new, something interesting, and then it got delayed six months for polishing. Mm. Uh, and there's no doubt it was a nice looking game. Uh, it wasn't as polished as that, though, was it? No, no, not as not as much as you'd have wanted. But yeah, it looked good. Um, it was very smooth, and it had some interesting ideas right from the off. But unfortunately, it never changed those ideas, and you just did the same thing over and over and over again. Even the bonus DLC content for pre-ordering and that you got with the premium editions... It was just the same old mission structure, just with a fancy voiceover to begin with. In fact, if I bought that, was it the Dead Sec edition that was the big pricey one with all the extra gubbins? I'd have been wanting my money back if I'd spent spent it on that. Mm. It was just it was just poor in its overall execution. And I think, uh, as I've said, it's in it's that hindsight thing. I mean, even going through the Bad Blood DLC. It was just disappointing that there was nothing exciting there. Once you'd done the first quarter of the game, it was the same through the rest of it. As I mean, what 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 you were saying about sort of how we'd looked forward to it for so many years, 
And when it finally was upon us, it was just sort of, it was very limited in, in how you could, I mean, I was under the impression that, you you remember that trailer, the one where he's sort of following that guy and that guy's squeaky clean? Yes. And then you saw, and then as he's sort of being carted out by the police, he puts him up on the TV screen. And when we saw that first reveal of it, it just, yeah. it looked phenomenal. And when it came out, it was just sort of like raised bollards, changed traffic lights, Look, look, yeah, through, look through cameras. That's exactly it. It was, it was disappointing. I mean, I like the use of the CCTV and the surveillance mm. and the leaping from one point to another to solve yeah. a few puzzles. The spatial puzzle idea was really nice. Yeah. Um, and that probably didn't get used quite enough. No. But it was, yeah. The the rest of it, it just, it felt like Assassin's Creed, the very first one, where they've got a great idea, a mm. good environment but nothing to fill the space. Yeah. And so it, it just, I've got this horrible feeling that Watch Dogs 2 will be like Brotherhood in that yeah. they, or Assassin's Creed 2, that it will just re, rip apart what they did wrong and put something together that works really well. Yeah. But that's, you know, another two to three years away if they decide to make one. I, I assume they will do because it sold pretty well. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was disappointing because it wasn't the game I expected from my shiny new console. The difference between uh, the sales on this one and the sales sort of leading into a second is that the 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 sales leading into the second don't have this in its past or do have this in its past. Do you know what I mean? When it was when it was the first game, people had no idea what to expect. Yeah. Now they do, and but and judging from uh, judging from sort of the Ubisoft. The way Ubisoft have been going on with a lot of their games recently, I mean, uh, one uh, publication, I don't know if I can mention what they're called here, that, that the title for their review for the crew was Accelerator's Creed, <laughs> which is which is essentially a, um, when, you look at, when you look at Ubisoft, a lot of their games now are basically just Assassin's Creed. You climb a tower, you go here, you unlock this portion of the map. You've got tail this guy missions and these open world um, active missions and stuff that once you get once you get used to them, there's only really about three or four variants of them. Yeah, Ubisoft have really disappointed me this year. Watch Dogs wasn't my most disappointing game of the year for the the fact that what it did do well and what it did do innovatively, it did it was good. The variety of ways to approach things was good if you use the hacking mechanic to help with your stealth that was good mm. and it was something that you've not seen implemented in that way and that's that's why for me it doesn't make the top of my list yeah. but i agree it felt a bit repetitive the character i could not warm to in the slightest and it wasn't even like he was a, an anti-hero I, I didn't like the guy i didn't want to play as him no it just didn't ring true that he had such emotional turmoil about what was happening with his sister and then some of the horrific acts he was just going off and doing at my hands. It just, the story in the game just didn't really mesh. Mm. Well, a lot of people refer to that as a ludo narrative dissonance. What you're doing does not relate to the story. So you sort of, you're brought, you're brought out of, the immersion is broken. But you're sitting there thinking, well, his sister's saying this and he's, and uh, she's empathising with him, and he's empathising with her. And then he goes off and slaughters a bunch of people. It's like, well, where there's just there's just that disconnect. And it's not something that happens in every game because I'll, I'll be honest, Grand Theft Auto Five is a, a shining example of how to do it because mm. you had three different characters there, and I actually found myself playing each one in a different way. Yeah, because 
I empathise with them. Yeah. If I was playing as Trevor, I found myself more likely to go crazy. If I was playing at Michael, I'd be a bit more reasoned, a bit more stealthy. If I was playing as Franklin, then I'd play it like a normal GTA game with the balance between the two. But that's fairly true because a lot of people have said that if there if there is a if there is a sole protagonist, it's Franklin because he's sort of caught in the middle of the two of them. The more the more calm and collected um, Michael, and then the sort of uh, personified GTA player that is Trevor, the sort of the person that just wants to climb a rooftop and fight the police. Like you said, the difference is you expect those characters to behave like that. Mm. The storytelling in Watch Dogs and the character arc did not have them as that type of character. That's exactly where that disconnect comes in. You lose all investment in the tale itself. I'd say everything about GTA sort of to me it always comes back to the uh, to their development cycle. They don't talk about how long their development cycle is. They just develop the game in the time it, they feel they need to take to develop the game. It's interesting as well that now they've released it on the next generation consoles and, and PC. Going back and playing it, they've actually been doing stuff during that time. They've not just done a cheap port. Mm. They've added a lot more to it. If you want to, you know, it, the base game's still there. But if you want to play about with the settings, if you want to use the first-person view, they have actually done quite a lot to it. Mm. Um, but we're not here to talk about Grand Theft No, I was just going to say, because it, I don't think it's a surprise to any of us that it's as good as it was, mm. and in no way was it disappointing. So I think, yeah, Watch Dogs, we've all agreed, disappointed in what we got. We're not saying it isn't a bad game, it's just it wasn't what we expected. So, Sev, you had Ubisoft. What was your main Ubisoft culprit? It would be Far Cry, just because the um, I always I always go into a game. One of the things that I'm always looking for a game, especially one of the big budget games, is a uh, satisfying story. And this story seemed to seem to be able to be explained in two words: Troy and Baker. That was basically <laughs> it. Well, I I could get it down to one word: that. pointless. There wasn't a point during any of that story that I was thinking. Um, so, all right, we've got Troy Baker, and he's this sort of flamboyant dictator type and uh why do i care <laughs> the only the only redeeming quality i can put into the story of far cry is that the choices are not as black and white as moral choices have been in games before no that's a fair point is that i think i'm, I'm with you on it. the far cry 4 was possibly my second biggest disappointment of the year mm. mainly for the story but also it's another one of those games that didn't work on release. The level of patching that had to happen uh, for some players to actually get a functioning game, um, the fact that uh, me and Andy have still not been able to have a co-op game together <laughs> is absolutely embarrassing. And the, the whole keys to Kirat, that idea that you give them to your friends so that you can both have a game mm. and do that co-op, but you can't invite your, game, your friends to a co-op game, it's absolutely ridiculous. And so it, actually, it loses it for me on the story, which I, could, I couldn't have looked past because there are elements of it which are just so much fun. Mm. But the technical aspects are pretty unforgivable. I mean, the co-op in Far Cry 3 was patchy as hell, and, and some of the fun glitching that we had with that one that were just unbelievable, but at least we were able to play. Yeah. And we just cannot do that on a generation of hardware that is supposed to be geared towards that social aspect. 
This is it. I, I'm not. I'm not entirely certain how I feel about the gameplay. I mean, there are definitely some improvements. There are some things that are like, oh yeah, that's a cool touch. I like that. But then there's a lot of it. It's just sort of I've I've done this before, like the uh, over over cover takedowns, the vehicle takedowns, which I did all of three times over the course of the game. These are things that like when when you see them when you see them in a sort of rehearsed demonstration at E3, it's like, oh wow, that looks amazing. When you finally get the ability to do it, it's like, oh look how awkward it is to get parallel with a moving vehicle. And oh look, I accidentally pressed the exit vehicle button and I'm now rolling as I watch the truck drive away rather than diving in and stabbing the guy in the head. In, in fairness, you can't blame your own cack-handedness for, for screwing that up. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's not Ubisoft's <laughs> fault that you've <laughs> rolled out of the truck instead of leaping. Can you imagine how many games would be on my list if that were the case? <laughs> but I, I know I know what you mean. The, the, the whole build-up, everything it told you about these games... Particularly that footage that sold us on it, you know, storming one of the outposts with a guy in a gyrocopter and one on an elephant. And you're just thinking, I want to do that. Mm. And I haven't, I haven't done it yet. And that's where it comes down to disappointing. I remember one of the things that stuck out to me about the demonstration was you remember the bit where he sort of he was entering he just it just sort of met Herc and he's he's gone into he's gone into the outpost or the stronghold climbed up these stairs, put a C4 on a red barrel and kicked the red barrel, then detonated the C4. Yeah. Try and recreate that yourself. It can't be done. Well, it can be done, but it doesn't look nearly as smooth, as fluid as it did in that... Not as cinematic. Yeah. I mean, there is a redeeming feature there, though. You mentioned it. Herc may well be one of the best game characters ever. He is brilliant in the small <laughs> doses that you get him. And he gives you a harpoon. Yeah. I didn't actually get the harpoon. I, do you know, I'm, I've not actually gone that far yet. Cracking weapon. It takes rhinos out with one shot. Brilliant. Oh, well, that's satisfying. Does it count as a clean kill? Yes. So nice. you get to skin them. Pretty cool. Do you know, I, I came here today ready to say that my most disappointing game of the year was Destiny. Having just heard Sev's reasoning, I, I, I need to change my mind. And I have to agree with you. It's Far Cry 4. Mm-hmm. And the, the only way I can put it is, it's like having a fling with an ex-girlfriend. Your wife's not listening, is she? No, God, no. <laughs> but, you know, I'm not saying, that's never happened. I'm married, happily, have a child. When I was younger, before all those things, things happened. <laughs> Jesus, I've got to stop drinking Baileys and doing podcasts. Right. <laughs> hey, you're in control of editing it, so you're all right. And that's a good point. Well presented. But it's like, when, when you look at Far Cry 3 and Far Cry 4, it is like having a fling with an old girlfriend mm. because one of the things that somebody said in a forum, and I remember thinking at the time, they said, it's just a reskinned Far Cry 3. And my thought was, do you know what? I'm all right with that. Far Cry 3 on next generation with co-op, awesome. I'm more than happy with that. Mm. It's the fact that co-op hasn't worked. The one thing I really, really wanted in Far Cry 3 was, you know, the full map open world co-op. It hasn't worked once. Mm. No. So you kind of you start to look a bit deeper and you start to see the flaws. As you said, there's no real change in the progression trees. There's a couple of new things, but nothing there really to pique my interest. Mm. It unlocks everything far too early, so it's not really driven me to play through the story because I've been able to, just by mucking about doing side missions, I've been able to unlock all of the abilities and the perks that I wanted to. Yeah. And I've just had that honeymoon period, that brief period of lust with it, and I've suddenly come to realise, actually, 
all the things that I got bored with in Far Cry 3 eventually are, are there, mm. but just much sooner. The impression that I got from it was that they took a break between Far Cry 2 and 3. And when they brought out Far Cry 3, it was huge. Everybody loved it. They sort of stagnated on that fact and they've just said, right, we need to give them exactly what Far Cry 3 is, but more. And as a result, they haven't really innovated. They've just sort of thought, right, they like the wingsuit, so let's give them more verticality. And they liked the outpost, so let's give them more outposts and bigger outposts. I mean, when you when you do one of those stronghold things... It is just an outpost. It is a massive. It is just a massive outpost yeah. with more people and helicopter support, isn't it? That's mm. the key difference. It's interesting what you said about the the wingsuit, though, because when we were preparing some notes, Seb and I were having a discussion about the wingsuit, and you made the point about, oh well, I, I did this mission and it just it was just unlocked like that. Mm. The game just throws cash at you for opening boxes. Yeah, and. I'd had the wingsuit long before I'd got to that mission. Just bought it in a shop. I bought it. I bought it very early on. It, I mean, I can't deny there's there's a certain amount of pleasure in it. Mm. You mentioned it, said the verticality of it. That was much more apparent and being able to travel quite a bit of distance. However, there's one thing, and maybe I've missed this at some point in the game, but during one of the promo videos, there was something about moving from the highlands to the lowlands, and effectively you could wingsuit from the top of a mountain right the way down into a valley to continue a mission. Yeah. And I don't ever seem to remember doing that. There were purpose-built wingsuit sections, yeah. but they kind of loaded into them, then loaded out of them. There wasn't almost a free-flowing, um, we're going to send you from this point to that point, and you've got to cover the distance. I like the inclusion of the copters. They were very handy. They were absolutely brilliant for doing the towers. I didn't scale a single tower. I just flew to the top of them. <laughs> yeah, It doesn't quite make up for the shortcomings everywhere else. The, the towers as well were nowhere near as challenging as Far Cry 3, and you, you didn't get that same sense of peril no. scaling the outside of some of those rickety... Yeah, exactly. You know, that, that's that's the word I was going to use. They went, they went from rickety, rickety sort of radio towers that you could, you could literally, you could, you could hear the wind, you could hear the creaking, and then they just made them yeah. like these buildings with holes in well, them. It is the same. I feel like I'm defending it now. It, it is the same. You do get that wind effect. It does creak. Yes, it isn't as difficult to get to the top. Is that because we were used to it from Far Cry 3? There were some points where if you were thrown into it, you needed absolutely no tutorial or anything if you played a previous game. Maybe, but I definitely remember some of the some of the jumps and some of the things that you needed to do on those towers were harder because I definitely fell off them a lot more. I don't know. I never fell off any of them. Yeah, I'm pro. I'm MLG. I'm I'm keeping my amateur status for the Olympics. (laughs) That's definitely made you change your mind then, Andy. I'm still disappointed with Destiny to some extent because it promised so much and it delivered a lot less. It isn't on my list anywhere simply because I didn't end up playing the full game. And I think that was the thing. I think actually the the alpha and the beta put me off and any thought I had of pre-ordering it were dashed I did play it in the end, but I played it because the lovely people at Activision sent us a review copy, the reviews on the site, and it does it does play well, but it's not I don't think it's what people expected it to be. It strikes a balance between Mamorpaga and Fupus. And Mafuspaga. I'm not sure. Mafuspaga. Which sounds like a Russian otter. But it's it's just I don't know, it doesn't it doesn't quite for you know, it's it's not a bad shooter. And the RPG elements are interesting, but it's just, it's meh. Yeah. Meh. I think in terms of a few other sort of nearly runs 
for the most disappointing game of the year. There may be a few people out there who who were screaming Assassin's Creed Unity at this. It's not in as a disappointing game because it wasn't one I was particularly excited about. We all know one person in particular, if you listen to this, hi Connor, (laughs) who is a big, big fan of the series. Huge Assassin's Creed fan, yeah. And I imagine if you're a big fan of the series, it it was a disappointment in a way because of the the technical. We'll, uh, We'll have to ask him if he's played it yet. I don't know where it sits in his year of shame. I, I don't know where we, how he sits on it. Sideways. <laughs> the preferred position. Sorry, was that an anal joke? I'm not... Oh, don't act like you're above it. <laughs> was that an anal joke? <laughs> I always take the easy jokes. You should know this about me by now. Yeah. So, anyway, well, getting back to my feelings in the game, it didn't hit most disappointing because I suppose whilst it has a lot of flaws... It just it wasn't one that I was really excited about for a long period of time. I was really anticipating it. And as soon as it came out and that whole sort of frenzy happened around it, it scared me. It was sort of like being called on a blind date and being told that the girl's going to be really, really good looking. And you turn up and she's got like mustard right there on the side of her face and you're too polite to say anything about it. If the actual game and the glitches are anything to go by, it's not mustard on the side of her face, but she just consists of a massive pair of lips, some teeth, and some <laughs> eyes. I'm, I'm literally scared to buy the game at this point because I want it to be—I want it to be what I wanted it to be for the last year, and I just—I just have this strong feeling that it's not going to be. Do you think, Sev, that part of that as well is because of your experience with Watch Dogs and Far Cry 3, your choice was Ubisoft? Yeah, because every, everything of theirs that I have played this year, not including some other smaller things, I've, I've not been impressed by any of it. Any other nearly rounds? I was interested for your reasons for Alien Isolation, because we spoke a lot about this when you were playing it, and I kind of thought you'd have it on your shortlist. Yeah, th- this is an interesting one, because it's almost almost in my surprises so yeah alien isolation i had as a runner-up into one of my surprises of the year i didn't score it overly highly mainly because and i put this in the review it is the only game that's managed to make me feel feel so uncomfortable the tension was just too much all the way through it surprised me because it was so well done but it made me feel like I never wanted to spend another minute with it. I mean, that's amazing, really. In the the days when people are banging on about immersion all the time, it actually got you to the stage where you you just didn't want to play it because it was too much. It is. Absolutely no way could I have played that on an Oculus Rift. No chance. I've I've had conversations with some of my colleagues at work. One of them plays it in the dark with headphones on and hasn't made it past the first Alien encounter. It is an exceptional game. I've seen it sold so cheaply since release. It's obviously not doing commercially very well, but it is a fantastic game. I do recommend people play it. It's just, it gets too much. It's a good 13, 14 hours of story in there. So what else is on your on your shortlist? The shortlist, I've only got one other in terms of runner-up, and that was actually Shadow Warrior. Because I really didn't expect anything from it. That's the one we share played. Yeah, and I enjoyed it. All the way through. It's just ludicrous. It's silly. It knows what it's doing. Kind of like The Darkness 2. Yeah, it isn't massively different from that kind of style. It looks nice, it plays well, it's lengthy, and it knows what it is. It is a reboot of an old late 90s game, which probably ties in 
I'll be honest, with my biggest surprise of the year as well, which was Wolfenstein. I absolutely loved that. Good choice. There was nothing it did wrong. And it's my surprising game of the year because it's the only game I've played through and finished twice this year. I enjoyed it that much, I put it straight back in and went and did the alternate timeline. There wasn't much difference between them, but it was. I agree, it was really nice to go back and look at the cutscenes that did change, and that made the story feel very different. Yeah, yeah I thought the story was brilliantly done. It was well-crafted. Your main character is... What he was, I suppose what he was meant to be, a bit of an emotionless soldier, which is exactly what you're expecting. But it was the people around him that really fleshed it out. It's the situation you were in, and it was the way it presented itself. The total lack of multiplayer focus meant they built a really good story, and it reminded me of Resistance 3. And Resistance 3 is one of my favourite FPSs of all time because of the story it tells and the way it makes you feel. And there's a game that was able to do a full co-op story mode as well that worked. Yeah, it did. It was good. But um, no, Wolfenstein and New Order, hands down, my biggest surprise of this year because I thought it would be good fun. It turned out to be absolutely excellent fun. That's it. I don't know what else I can say about Wolfenstein. It was absolutely cracking. Um, go to the website, read the review, read the translations page. It was just an awesome first-person shooter. Yeah. And it focused on being an awesome first-person shooter. It was fun to play. It didn't drag. There was no unnecessary um, set pieces. Everything that was there felt like it, it belonged yeah. there. There was a decent amount of variety for an FPS. There was a little bit of exploration. There was the knowing nods back to the original, the fact you could play the original, the dual wielding, the cover mechanic, everything. Everything about it, it was just solidly put together and an absolute gem of a game. And I think you can pick it up for 25 quid or less. So if you haven't played it, buy it. Okay, right. Seven Scott. Over the past couple of months, I haven't really had a great chance to play stuff. But I mean, um, the only things that really surprised me over the years have been have been little things like one finger death punch. Proof that a game can be reduced to two buttons and still be fun. You either attack to the left or you attack to the right. I did a review on it on the website. In fact, I'm fairly certain there's a bit of gameplay in there. I am a lot better than I was at the time. <laughs> Other things like Dust Force, a little uh, precision platforming. Um, you're like a, I don't know, you're like a janitor ninja. <laughs> you got to sweep leaves up. And it's all about sort of how fast you can do it. You can do speed runs and you can actually watch everybody else on the leaderboard and how they did it and sort of mimic their approach to certain puzzles and and that was a lot of fun but at the top of the list amazingly it's going to be ubisoft's lesser efforts you what ubisoft yep ubisoft is my biggest disappointment and biggest surprise things like child of light and um even more so valiant hearts i think these were brilliantly put together little just little little ideas from members of staff that they've uh they've just said oh yeah well let's give that a try they haven't sort of um, launched money and marketing campaigns at it and thrown it in your face and said, oh, this is going to be the only game you play for the next 10 years. They've just subtly let a, a little nugget idea just roll out, and they've been really good. I don't know I don't know if the same can really be said about Valiant Hearts. They'd put a bit of marketing behind it. Yeah, I mean, the Valiant Hearts, yeah, marketing or 100-year anniversary of the First World War. Yeah. No, absolutely brilliant game. That was a properly poignant adventure that didn't feel contrived or built in such a way to make you feel a particular way about it preaches a brilliant word it wasn't it was just a story a really well told story they did a really good job of uh 
representing all all walks of life from the time. I mean, keeping in mind that Ubisoft are a French company, so you wouldn't blame them for taking a sort of a defensive stance on the whole Great War situation, obviously, because the effects of the war, uh, France was decimated. The effects, uh, Mm. some of their effects remain today. But even with that in mind, they they took the high road and sort of and and included the enemy. Do you know what I mean in their in their story? Because you have the uh, the German fella, don't you? I forget yeah. what his name is now. As Matt as Matt said, it's it's not just um, some conf- contrived story. You've got women being represented in there. You even got um, Muslims being represented in there. Yeah. They didn't just want to go with we are the French and therefore we are the victims. It's telling a story of it doesn't matter where you're from. This is something that happened to humanity, not to France. Puzzles were fantastic. The way that the uh, some of the driving sequences included music and yes. stuff like that it was all just a, it was it was all just a really well put together tribute to the to the well I say tribute but it's a tribute it's a tribute to the anniversary of the war. Mm. A really fitting one, yeah. yeah. It, it was it was it was a great game, absolutely great. Yeah. Um, the things that you learn whilst playing it as well mm. it makes you realise that you because because if you think about it from a gaming perspective, it's always World War Two. Yeah. You know, we we know World War Two inside out basically because of what games have taught us. World War One, you know nothing, and the things you just learn from that it's it, it, absolutely horrific mm. conflict. So they managed to distill it down into that tightly woven and exceptionally well-told tale of, was it five central characters? Mm, I think so, yeah. Generally they speak in their respective languages, and those that do speak English are not exactly what, what I would call easy to understand, but yet you still think and feel what these uh, what these people are feeling. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like when, uh, someone, when someone's sad, these little like avatars of these people, they emote amazingly well. For such simple, for such a simple design, yeah, I'd say that was probably my biggest surprise of the year. The Ubisoft getting it right with the pet project, yeah, that's good to hear. Okay, okay, well, that is me then. It does come on. Well, we're dying to know what was yours. I've got three nearly brands. I've got to start with one that was in my notes. It's on both lists, and it's Drive Club. And the reason it's on both lists was because it disappointed me. I hadn't bought it. I hadn't played it. And the reason it disappointed me was because I was really excited about it coming to PS Plus. And it didn't. It still hasn't. <laughs> and it still hasn't. And there's all the server issues. So it made it to my disappointed list. You notice I didn't bring it up earlier because I came back from a family do this morning and there was a copy sat on the doorstep waiting for me that I buckled in, um, in the Boxing Day sale and bought for £24 on Amazon. <laughs> it is brilliant. I love it. I've, only, I've been playing it this afternoon. It's awesome. It's a great game. It's a five-month-old friendly game. There's no shooting or killing or anything. So I'm allowed to play it in front of my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and it is brilliant. You can't go around the shops and buy second-hand cars and stuff, but all the elements of Gran Turismo that I enjoy are there, and none of the faff. It's a game that encourages you to to keep doing that extra lap to improve your time. Yeah, it, I've, I've enjoyed it. I, I buckled with the weather update. I saw the photos, the in-game shots, and I thought, that looks nice. And I found it cheap, and I bought it, and have enjoyed it immensely from the minute I turned it on. And some somebody had said to me, one of the guys I knew who was beta testing it, he'd kind of gone, oh, it's just an arcade racer. And I started off playing it thinking it was that, but actually it's more than an arcade racer. As you start to go through, you do have to understand how your cars are going to handle. You can't just fling them into a corner and expect them to stick or going over rises um, into valleys, 
dips, steep hills. It's just very, very satisfying when you get it right. It's broken down into races, hot laps, time trials, and quite often in these, there's in little challenges as you go through that you need to tick off for each event. And it's those little challenges that really help you to, to perfect your skills mm. because they get you thinking about what, what can you do to shave off that time or there's some face-off sections where you'll you'll have to go head-to-head with either another driver whether they be ai or whether they be an actual you know another human being's average speed on a particular sector of the course you know can you match it and it's very satisfying when you do yeah i've been surprised by it it didn't hit my list of most surprising games but i've i've enjoyed it a lot what else is on here advanced warfare call of duty surprised me when i played it because i played ghosts i've played every Call of Duty game for the past few years and it is it's Call of Duty it's very much a you know in places it's a linear corridor shooter it gives you the toys it lets you play with them once and then it takes them away again <laughs> but when it opens up and there's a few sections in the game where it does open up and it does let you use the toys ad hoc it's really good nice I'd, I've only played the first level and I was quite enjoying it I've not played a game since Black Ops no tell a lie I played Ghost last year and I was very disappointed with that. I mean, I've not, I've not actually played it myself. I, I will get around to it. From what I've heard, it is at very least evidence that Activision are finally ready to start listening to people and pull back on the sort of hand-holding, corridor shooting. It's still in there in places, but they're giving people a lot more freedom. It does come down to it. It's an FPS. Mm. Go back 10 minutes or so when we were talking about Wolfenstein. In points, mm. that's a corridor shooter. Yeah, It's not necessarily being about that. It's about giving you that little bit of variety and feeling of freedom. A good FPS should be quite tightly scripted so that you're getting the most enjoyment out of it, but you don't realise that they're forcing you down a route. Exactly. Yeah. It sounds like Advanced Warfare's getting there. Like you just said, Andy, it has taken and Sev actually. It's taken that hand holding away. There's always going to be the trappings of what an FPS actually is. But Call of Duty or the Call of Duty franchise seems to have gone down a, a very specific path, which is it's narrowing the route that F- FPSs can be, whereas Advanced Warfare sort of evidence that you can actually broaden that area and be a, li- a little more subtle about how much you're being directed in a specific thing. Yeah. And st- standing behind somebody, being told that you fail for not standing behind that person, <laughs> these are not FPS trappings, these are Call of Duty trappings. It'll be interesting to see how the effective three-year development cycle, with there being three studios mm. producing the games now, actually actually makes any difference. Mm. We're going from that annual iteration to let's produce it and release it when it's ready, hopefully. Mm. And another one, I think Matt might agree with me on this one, Counter Spy. Oh, Counter Spy was, oh, was brilliant. I, um, I uh, didn't know what to expect with that one, so it was definitely a surprise. It, the only reason it didn't make my surprise list is because I liked it from the first video I saw of it. I thought, that's just going to be fun. I never saw a video. In fact, the first thing I heard was you saying, you have to play this. I, you have to play I this. I knew you'd like it. It's just, it's such fun. Sorry, there's a cat at the door. I do apologise. <laughs> what? You know I'm recording. You can't be on the podcast. You want to be. Come on, then. As long as Sally tells us what her favourite game of this year has been. Your favourite game? Can you tell anyone? No. Not quite. Right, brilliant. So, no, Council, what's the, um, what was the game when you were in the jungle and you had, to, you had to jump around? It was the old Commodore 64. It was kind of like Prince of Persia, but you had a gun. Flashback? Yes. Flashback. It was kind of reminiscent of that in a way, the 2D perspective. Yeah. I'm watching a video of it now and I can see, I can see where, you're, where you're coming to that conclusion. 
Counter Spy was good. Counter Spy was was excellent. And would it be fair to say it's the best game we've played this year that we didn't review? Oh, but we so nearly did. We should have done. What Matt's complaining about is the fact that I had a child and therefore the review schedule got messed about. Inconsiderate. That's what it is. <laughs> I say I had a child. My wife did all the hard work. I got a beanbag. I got to lie down and record it. Really. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, okay, so come on then. What was your biggest surprise of 2014? My biggest surprise of... 2014 was 80 Days by Inkle Studios. It's a well, it's a story game. It's a branching story game, and it, I wasn't expecting it to be anything like this. We got offered a review copy, and I played an awful lot of it. When Rose was born, I played a lot of it in the hospital. Basically, Willy Fog, sorry, Phileas Fog, because it's based on the book mm-hmm. as opposed to um, the cartoon. Phileas Fogg has his bet in the Gentleman's Club in London that he can't traverse the world in 80 days. And off he goes, and you, you take on the role of his, his French manservant, Passepartout, and you lug his bags around the world, basically. So you have to go and manage his inventory. You sell things, buy things in the market, make sure that you plan your routes. And the story unfolds from there. So every, every city you get to, you can take different forms of transport. They take different amounts of time, take it to different places. You've just got to try and get around the world in 80 days. Mm. And it's surprisingly hard. <laughs> it is. I've been playing over the last couple of weeks because uh, I believe we were kind enough to get the prof and Brian doing the review back on the iOS version. And they've now released it on Android. And I've been playing over the last couple of weeks. And it, it is surprisingly addictive. For a text adventure. Because ultimately, that's what it is. Yeah, it is. It, yeah it's a, a modern twist on the choose-your-own-storybooks, isn't mm. it? I suspect, you know, I'll be honest now, I've not I've not read the Jules Verne novel, but I know for a fact that this this deviates and it it's based in that world, but it's kind of a steampunk reimagining of it. Yes, yes, for the when you hit each of the cities and have the opportunity to explore and find out what's going on, there's lots of conversations about automatons. It's definitely got that feel to it. It was very it was very surprising at how addictive it was and how much time I actually I've probably spent more time on this game this year than I have a lot of the, the AAA releases. I'm a bit taken on that now. But as a kid, I, I always loved I always loved those choose-your-own-adventure books. I did always keep my finger in the previous page. <laughs> it just reminds me of that episode of Family Guy where he's like, I didn't take, I didn't take my finger off the page. You've seen it, Lois. You've seen it. That was, that was me when I was 10. <laughs> I was really into those as well. Those and Goosebumps. Oh, Goosebumps was a bit before my time, I'm afraid. Oh, don't give me that, Grandad. I could say it's after my time. (laughs) (laughs) So our most disappointing games, Matthew, yours was Watch Dogs. Sev, yours was Far Cry 4, and I I copied you at the last minute and said the same, so that I didn't have to write any exhaustive notes. And our most surprising games of 2014, Matthew, yours was? Wolfenstein. The New Order. Sev. Mine was Valiant Hearts. And mine was 80 Days. So looking forward to 2015. Has anybody got anything they're really looking forward to being disappointed by? Well, I'm not looking forward to being disappointed by it, but there's only (laughs) one game, one game on my mind at the moment, and it must be the same for you two as well. Dizzy's Revenge. That's it. You've nailed it. Dizzy's Revenge. Yeah, not for me. No. End of February, if the rumours are correct about the release date for Metal Gear Solid Five. Was there one of those coming, is there? Yes, we've only done two podcasts about it. <laughs> uh, for me, for me, it's got to be The Witcher 3. I, I have to say, I'm interested in that as well, mainly because you've talked so highly about the previous two and yeah. because it does look very nice, I'm thinking, yeah. But I, the one 
niggly thing is, am I going to enjoy it having never played the other two? I imagine so, because the difference, if I'm right in assuming that the difference between the second and the third is the same amount of difference between the first and the second, then um, yeah, it's going to stand, it's going to stand alone. And for me, uh, Ubisoft need to pull their finger out and make The Division the finest game they've ever released. That, I'm, I'm staking the ground now, we will be talking in a year's time at our biggest disappointment of 2015. I mean, it looks stunning yeah. so far, but then Watchdogs in the early builds looked stunning yeah, exactly. and they gipped it. There's no doubt Ubisoft can produce stunning-looking games. I, I was still not a huge fan of the story and everything else, but I'll still put my hand up and say Unity is the best-looking game I have played. Looks aren't everything. It needs substance. Okay, a few other things 2015 is going to bring our way. Are, are you interested in them or not? Uh, the Order. Uh, oh, you know, that's a really interesting one because... Yes, because it's a first-party Sony title, but no, because the recent first-party Sony titles haven't been that good. Not even a little bit. I do love steampunk. It's not that I don't love steampunk. I I don't know. I I look at it and I see Gears of War. Okay, Uncharted 4. Oh, yes. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Thief's End, definitely. I don't know. (laughs) I'm with you on this one. I've played Uncharted 3, but... I've played all of them. I've enjoyed all of them. Uncharted 3, I think, was the weakest. Number 2 was brilliant. I think the standout game. They could not improve on that, and they didn't. But 4 is is looking nice at the moment. Okay, Batman, Arkham Knight. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, for anybody listening, head to the website and look for the Ace Chemicals Infiltration trailer. That kind of sums it all up. Okie dokie, Battlefield Hardline. No. No. <laughs> no. I wish Dexter Jekyll was here because I'd say Persona 5 and nobody else would know what we're talking about. I know what Persona 5 is. Oh, awesome. But I've never played it, but I know what it is. <laughs> Honestly, in hours and hours and hours of text fixation podcast devoted to him creaming in his jeans. <laughs> well, I, I do remember that. Was it Persona 4 Golden? Yes, yeah. I, I do. I, I know <laughs> what that was about. It's a very good game. <laughs> I lost 50 hours to that game in like the first week or something of the relief. <laughs> and I had a job. Uh, anyway... I won't have if I keep saying stuff like that on the podcast. Project Cars. Yes. Again, it's another one that got delayed because it was supposed to be out in November. And we've, we've done a couple of features and it is looking phenomenal. And I'm liking the variety. It's just, what's it actually going to play like? It's my only worry about racing game. Is it going to be very arcade-based? Is it going to be simulation-based? Are we talking Gran Turismo? Are we talking that nice balance that Drive Club has? I don't know, but I am quite excited about that. No. Okay. Not so much. No? Not so much. Moving on then. No Man's Sky. Yes. Yeah. I don't really know I don't really know enough about it, I don't think. Um... Well, Sev, if you visit codecmoments.com <laughs> and look, there's a nice little piece with some great gameplay footage, which I'm hoping you're in the same mindset as the rest of us that actually that could be the the biggest surprise of the year. Do you know, and, and this is the point I was gonna make actually, was I, I think this is potentially so different to anything else that it's probably worth Matt explaining a little bit about. Oh, and now he puts me on the spot. Just because I've written oh, about yeah. it doesn't mean I know anything about it. Um, well, if you go to <laughs> www.codecmoments.com... I will just do that now and read. No, um, <laughs> it's... Um, I mean, it's been banded around a little bit this year as the, as the phrase procedurally generated. We've talked about a few games. Most of note was Heavy Bullets, stuff that you reviewed. Yeah. But No Man's Sky premise is you are taking part in the exploration of a universe, right. a full-on universe. There are 
billions of planets. They are procedurally generated. You can start on one, take off, fly into space, fly to another system, land on another planet seamlessly. Mm. The one thing, the one thing that I worry, I wonder about there though is if it's all procedurally generated, then the pool of assets needs to be equal, equally equal to the size. They've done I mean. some very clever, very very clever coding, so that yes, there will be a large pool of assets, but the way it builds worlds and creatures and environments, mm. it can reutilize the assets and make them different each time. Uh, mm. The only thing I am not sure at the moment, because they haven't really talked about it, but what is the purpose? There is yeah. a purpose. There is something to do, something to something involving the center of the universe, but they haven't explained it yet. And I'm kind of hoping they keep that quiet until the game releases. So here's a nice way to wrap up. Sev, what is at the center of the universe? center of the universe is me. <laughs> Matt, what do you think it's going to be? Um, it's an orange cream quality straight. <laughs> Nice. I personally hope it's going to be a vengeful god. (laughs) And with that, 2015 is actually looking like a really promising year for gaming. You've got all the games we've just mentioned. Not to forget Hotline Miami 2, Rise of the Tomb Raider, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege, Rainbow Six Siege, Rainbow Six Siege, which... Rainbow Six Siege. Siege. (laughs) Not to mention, as Sev said several times, The Witcher 3, Bloodborne, Dying Light... Um, Dead Island 2. Oh, of course. Dead Island 2 and Dying Light both coming out. Dying Light's year. January, is I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Get, yeah middle get of January. Get on about that review copy. I want that one. So quite excited for all those. I think it could be a very exciting year in gaming, and I, I certainly hope to be back here in a year's time talking about how Matt was wrong about the division. Hopefully. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. Probably you very early on. I know. It's a curse. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. I've been Andy Brown at Clinical Andy on Twitter. With me as well, Matt. Uh, we've got Matt Holt, um, but um, best off going for at Codec Moments on Twitter. And I've been Seven Scott. You can find me at Seven Scott on Twitter. Don't forget, the Codec Call is a 2014 production of Codec Moments. In fact, it will be the last 2014 production of Codec Moments. Visit codecmoments.com. Bye. Bye. See you next year. Bye. Bye. Miss you all already. We love you. Bye. Bye. I'll do that.